Welcome to episode 10 of the Worship is Life podcast, where worship equals relationship and relationship is the purpose of life. I'm your producer, Taylor Marshall, and today's guest is our dear friend, Naomi Piero, and here's your host, Todd Marshall. Thank you, Taylor and Naomi. Welcome to the Worship is Life podcast. Thank you. We are so excited to have you on today. This is going to be a really special meaningful interview, and I'm just going to let our listeners know right off the bat um, why we invited you on today, Mm -hmm. because uh, one year and nine days ago, um, Naomi lost her precious husband and our Mm -hmm. dear friend, Tommy, and so we want to um, give her opportunity to share that story for the purpose of uh, helping others uh, walk through similar types of loss and grief and just hear Naomi's testimony on how her Mm -hmm. relationship with God and the relationship with others around her helped her and continues to help sustain her um, and carry her through and impact everyone in her world. And it's just a powerful, powerful story Mm -hmm. and so looking forward to it. But Naomi, let's first start on a a lighter side um, and just talk about, uh, let our audience know uh, our relationship with you, uh, my relationship with you, Taylor's relationship with you, our family with you. So um, the last place we served as full-time worship arts pastors was Smithtown Gospel Tabernacle on Long Island, New York, who just got hammered with... 18 inches of snow. Oh, man. Um, oh, man, yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Naomi came there, I think, about three years after we were there. I think I'll have her Yeah, 2004. That. Okay. All right. So, so yeah, three and a half to four years after. And uh, Naomi um, just became a dear friend with her and Tommy. Tommy worked there as maintenance, so... Mm-hmm. Um, we just became close family friends and Naomi was super involved in our ministry and, um, playing lead roles in our passion play Mm -hmm. and always great solos in our glory Christmas. Um, and then we just hung out together in lots of different settings. Um, and I, uh, was great friends with Tommy in all kinds of different Mm -hmm. settings. Um, Mm -hmm. But anyway, Naomi, tell us, yeah, what do you remember about first coming to SGT and connecting with me and the Marshall family? What's your recollection from the first early days? Um, <clears throat> well, I had went to school at the church also has a school, Smithtown Christian mm. School. So I had been there my whole life, but didn't go to church there. Oh, wow. So um Tommy had been going to Smithtown Gospel Tabernacle for a couple years before that because he grew up at a different church out in Nassau County, but he started going there when he was older. And uh, so we had decided to go there. So it was weird being back to my old school, but now on Sundays. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. it was exciting and everyone was nice. And since he knew every single person (laughs) there and it's a big church, so that's not (laughs) weird to say for people who think it's a small church. He knew everybody. So everybody welcomed me in. Um, But I remember at our rehearsal for the wedding, you, you, Pastor Todd, had done sound for okay. some reason, is that something that you did? <laughs> like, you're the worst. Probably in those er- probably in those early days. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were doing sound for that, and um, and Tommy and I sang a duet, mm. and mm-hmm. so we had rehearsed wow. it. And then you, I remember you came up to me. You were like, um, "So you're going to join the choir, right?" <laughs> <laughs> oh man! And so that I did. Like me. Yeah. It does. <laughs> Yep. And then it was all so wonderful. I came from a small church and I was always on the worship team there. So it was really cool to be a a part of a big choir and then being able to do all the big passion plays and and then being asked to be Mary Magdalene. And Mm. it was just so great and such, even though for such a big church, it was just a nice community of people. And Mm. I just loved, you know, being close with your whole family and just lots of fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah, what uh, what are some of your memories 
um, in the early days with Taylor because I mean when you came, oh my gosh, Taylor would have only been six, five, six years old, something <laughs> probably yeah. like that. Yeah, well, I remember coming to the glory of Christmas that he conducted. Oh, when he was two, <laughs> that's crazy, yeah. actually. I somehow saw that. Wow. Um, yeah, I remember him doing that. Yeah, so he was oh just goodness. a little baby, <laughs> and he was so cute. And uh, then Kelsey was young, too. Yeah. And then I know sometimes I would come when you guys went away, and Tommy and I would, like, babysit mm -hmm. for the weekend or something. And I remember yeah. one weekend, because Brenda had just taught us about that grilled cheese with the jam or oh, something. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> And we ate that like the entire weekend. Marshall Family like Classic. All right, we got to tell our listeners: strawberry jam yeah. on grilled cheese sandwich. You will never go back. You I promise you. You have to. I remember. Oh so God. Naomi, I did not know that you went to SES because I went to SES for like 14 years. And oh yeah, I was there K through 12. Yeah, that's crazy. And so I was there, and they would have this grilled cheese. No offense to anybody um, who maybe works at SES now that's listening to this podcast. But it was just like plain. And I was so confused. I was like, where's the jam? Literally, where is the jam? And then I remember, I think Taryn Martin would babysit us sometimes, and she would put ketchup on it. So then I was like, well, that's a, a decent Ew. substitute. Not as good at all, but like a decent <laughs> substitute. So then I would like be grabbing like 10 little ketchup packets because it was like a dry piece of grilled cheese. <laughs> it was like... Yeah. I mean, I always loved grilled cheese by itself, but then when you guys introduced that jam, it was a game changer. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that. That's how I grew up, so I didn't know that people had the gall to eat it without anything on it. <laughs> like, who eats it without jam on it? And now I have to convince people in the Midwest or wherever I'm traveling to, they just think it's like they start to like vomit in their mouth. I'm like, it's not gross. You got to just try it. So Right. <laughs> I think I was wary in the beginning, and then I had it and was like, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but I just remember that week. Weekend when we stayed with you guys, we were like, "So, what do you want for lunch?" We're like, "Grilled cheese and jam." What do you want for dinner? Uh, grilled cheese. Sure. I think I gained like ten pounds just in that weekend. <laughs> That's amazing. That's so funny. Yeah, those are really good memories. Yeah, we uh, we had a lot of a lot of great years. So almost ten years we were together there before mm -hmm. we uh, we left Long Island and came back to Minnesota. They left us. Which is actually. <laughs> Seven years ago this week. Yeah. Seven yes. years ago this week. Literally. We uh, left Minnesota and came back. Mm -hmm. I mean, left New York and came back to Minnesota. Mm. So, mm -hmm. um, Naomi, tell us, um, let's hear just a little bit about your story of meeting Tommy, because it's just a great, a great story. Um, okay, you know what? I'm just going to start off here and just say what I've been thinking about how I would describe you two, and then I'll let you take okay. over from there. So if, uh, if, if reincarnation was a thing, <laughs> which we don't believe that it is, but if reincarnation was a thing, Naomi would come back as every Disney princess that ever <laughs> existed. That's how I think of Naomi. And if reincarnation was a thing, Tommy would come back like as every superhero yep. that ever existed. And yes. so, um, in some ways, I think people could imagine a Disney princess with a superhero, but then in a lot of ways, I don't think people could imagine a <laughs> Disney princess with a superhero, which I think is so great description of your guys' relationship mm -hmm. of um, your differences, but how you fit perfectly together. So, mm -hmm. yeah, tell us just, uh, yeah, just tell us quickly um, about how you guys met and started your relationship. <clears throat> well... Um, my mom had met him first when I was 12 oh. and, and wow. he was 21 because we have like a nine year difference, mm -hmm. age difference. So he was 21 and he spoke at a youth group thing for my sister, who's even younger than me. And he came and spoke and just the conviction of how much he loved Jesus. My mom was so taken aback with, mm -hmm. and she was like, I love him. I want him to marry Naomi. Oh my word. <laughs> wow. <laughs> So, and I was just at home with my other sisters, like forcing them to make a movie with me because that's just what I always <laughs> have done on the old camcorder that night. So I didn't meet him. Um, so for years, and my mom didn't tell me, she had just been praying. She just knew it was him. Like he oh has word. to marry Naomi. Hmm. And then she would come to like my volleyball games when I was like 
15, so now he was like 24, and he would be there because he was a youth leader at that school's church, mm-hmm. and he knew all the girls my age and everything because they were in the youth group. So he would come to the games, and then my mom would look at him and be like, is he looking at her? Is he looking at her? Which is so gross because why would you want a 24-year-old to look at her 15-year-old daughter? That's funny. So thankfully he wasn't because <laughs> he wasn't weird. And... um So she just kept praying through all the years Hmm. randomly. And then when I was 19, I met him through a friend from my church who was friends with him. And we start, we went bowling together. It was like a, um, like a young adults ministry. We had group meetings. Um, and then one day we had a Super Bowl party and my mom had told my friend Megan Please keep guys away from Naomi. Don't let anybody talk to her because I have someone for her. There's someone oh specifically that I, that I have for her. So Tommy ended up talking to me all night. And Megan didn't know that was who my mom wanted for me. And she was like, I'm so <laughs> sorry. There was this guy talking to her all night. I couldn't I couldn't stop it. And my mom was like, oh, man. Um, so little did she know. Because then he drove me home that day. And my mom saw him walking up mm. the from the car and wow. was like, that's him, Lord, that's him. <laughs> oh, my word. Wow. wow. But again, she didn't tell me because then that would have freaked me out. So thankfully, she didn't. Hmm. And um, actually, it's funny with how different we are. So he's a big jock, like super sports fan, mm-hmm. like everything. I'm, as you say, a Disney princess, Broadway, <laughs> like just girly girl. I don't know anything about sports except the Yankees. We both love the Yankees Mm -hmm. but um at the Super Bowl party he asked like so who are you rooting for or whatever and I was like well I'm rooting for the Patriots because Mel Gibson was in a movie called The Patriot and I love (laughs) Mel Gibson (laughs) and then somehow he kept talking to me I'm really surprised (laughs) yeah right that's funny yeah and so it was just then we just started um after that, it was just a couple months of like writing to each other um, through email. Back then, we didn't really mm-hmm. have texts and stuff like that. It was so long ago, yep. and we just got to know each other a lot through that, and then started dating, and then you know, eventually got engaged and married, and everything was just so. I mean, not perfect, but it just felt perfect. We just mm-hmm. fit together, and like you said, with how different we are, we we're also so just like similar in certain ways like we could go to yankee games together um mainly for him but i love them too and then we could go the next day to a broadway show and like Mm. be frozen like and he liked it too like Mm. (laughs) we were just Mm. able to do that and he would do so many little things for me like we'd be listening to musical theater in the car and i'd be like quick sing the harmony and he'd try to learn it and and oh that's fun yeah, Tommy yeah. has a Tommy has a great voice actually. Yeah. Yes. We sang a duet at our wedding yeah. and that was the well, first time yeah. one, first can, and only time everyone ever heard him. I could <laughs> never get him in the choir. He probably would have had the best male voice in our choir. I could never get wow. I could never get him in. No. I knew that. <laughs> he I didn't want to be in front of people unless did he, he ever, was on a softball field. Did he ever fill in for the role of a disciple? Like I thought I remembered him trying like doing a Peter song. I or don't something. think so. I guess not. No, and we always wanted him to be a Roman soldier oh, because yeah. that's what he looked like and he would not. And I remember <laughs> no. telling him, You're wasting your look. Why would God have made you look like this if you were never gonna play a Roman soldier? <laughs> <laughs> You're wasting it. But he was always there in the weeks leading up and helping set up and yeah. always there yeah. and tear down. And, oh, my goodness, we he spent hours. preferred to hours. be in the background. We spent yeah. hours together setting and tearing down productions. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, okay, so you were married a total of how many years? 16, 16. 16 we celebrated years. our 16th anniversary, September 2019. That's right. And then he passed that January Okay, mm-hmm. so before we get into that story, let's go back 10 years ago mm. because you guys walked through another life-threatening experience with Tommy 10 years ago. Yep. So in 2008, he suddenly had trouble breathing, and he just was like, oh, I'm just out of shape. Um, but then it was lasting way too much, so he finally went to the doctor, and the doctor told him that he has all these blood clots in his lungs and he had to get to the hospital right away 
Um, so then while he was at the hospital, he actually had a pulmonary embolism. Mm. And so people have just dropped dead from like standing in, I heard a story about a young man standing in line, Dunkin' Donuts, dropped dead from like one pulmonary embolism. Yep. Mm -hmm. And he had a couple of them. Mm. So they were all amazed. They're like, I don't know how you even are living right now. And that was 2008. So he got out of that situation and things were okay. And then in 2009, he was having trouble breathing again. So he went to the doctor and they discovered that something, and I'm not medical, obviously, so it could be messing things up, but it was something like all the clots had now formed like, um, uh, like scar tissue. Mm -hmm. So it was blocking every single passageway of his lungs. Mm -hmm. And at that point they were like, we don't know how you've been walking around for mm -hmm. the last week. Like every single spot is blocked up. Mm -hmm. So he needed this big, long sounding name <laughs> surgery. Yep. Um, and they've only done like hundreds of them in New York, but they'd done thousands in California. So we, uh, through friends, because we had no money to get there, friends gave us their air miles and let us stay with their family who didn't mm. even know us. They mm. said, yes, come into our house and stay here. And we were there for about a month in California, and he had to have this big, like, 10-hour surgery where they wow. had to, like, put him on ice, take all the blood out of his body. It was crazy, crazy. Mm. Yep. Didn't know if he would survive that. Yep. Um, uh, but he did, and it was a long process, and... Facebook was new at the time and I was updating everybody every day. Everybody was praying like all around the world and he and people were like, you know, not really sure if he's going to survive. And I just kept believing like, no, there's no way he's not going to uh, survive. He has to um, being naive at the time. I assumed God would never let anything mm. bad happen to me. Mm. And it happened to other people, but it couldn't happen to me. So I mm. really wasn't that scared. So, um, mm. thankfully he did, he made it through that. He came off the breathing tube and we were able to come home and there's a picture of the clots that they took out and they lined it that. all. Yeah. yeah. They lined it all up exactly where it would be. And you could see like it's covering the entire lungs, all of it. And someone who was in the medical profession who had seen that, who wasn't a part of his case, said to a friend, oh, I'm so sorry, because she assumed it was an autopsy picture because yeah. nobody could live through that. Mm -hmm. But he did. So somebody had written, had blown up that picture and wrote on it, God is good. Mm -hmm. And he was looking at it and it was like, yeah, God is good because he survived and he helped him through this. And Tommy was looking at that picture and he felt God telling him, would I not still be good if you didn't survive? Oh, <laughs> and he sat back and had to think about it and he decided yes god you would you would still be good mm. and he shared that with me and at mm. the time i mm. remember being like really would he be good like mm. if you didn't live i don't know and so that was just something mm. through the whole last decade that i always thought about and it's something that tommy was able to teach me mm -hmm. so that when he didn't survive this time I remembered that of how he even said that, that if he didn't survive, God would mm. still be good. Yeah. So mm. That was just something that helped me, obviously, mm. on the other side. Yeah, so we hear, uh, so we hear in your story, and I just want to emphasize, you know, as you tell that story, just the, the connection points with your relationship with God um, and even your perception of God at that, you know, going yeah. into that story and how your perception of God changed coming out of that story and all the pieces of people, uh, you know, relationships with people you knew, relationships with people you didn't know, mm -hmm. um, how that helped and how that sustained you. Um, and I know we're going to see more of that as we just continue your story here. So so let's jump ahead. Um mm -hmm several years to just uh, a year and a half or so ago. And um, yeah, tell us, tell us the story. So he had, because of these blood clots and, and he um, just all the different issues that came with it, <clears throat> he had to constantly see a blood doctor 
So over the summer, the blood doctors started getting worried because the numbers were looking like something that could be related to leukemia. Mm. So we went and and found out it was it was um, I can't remember the name now, but it was something that would exactly lead to leukemia. Our doctor said, um, actually, his son, the doctor's son, works at a hospital in Manhattan and is really good, and it was a really great hospital and everything, so we went there um, in the summer of 2019. And he was in and out because there was one complication after another, the leukemia, then suddenly they found a mass on his lung. Mm and had lymphoma and just like one horrible thing after mm. another that we just couldn't believe and because of the blood clots that he had had his legs would swell up every so often so he had to just in normal life like wear compression stockings and stuff like that yep. and that was causing a whole problem his legs and everything were swelling swelling so he wasn't able to just be a regular cancer patient. He was stuck in the hospital, and I think it was something like 107 days mm. that he was not going home, not doing it, just stuck in that hospital wow. with one complication after another. And we live on Long Island, and he was in the city, so I was driving back and forth like every day, still working, then going there sometimes at night, then staying for the weekend. Um, we had great friends that have a condo in the city, so they let me stay there when I would stay for more than a day at a time, and that was such a blessing mm -hmm. because, obviously, it's so stressful driving back and forth to the mm. city. So through all that, we just kept praying and we just kept believing that he would have a miracle again because yeah. I thought, why would God save him in 2009 to not save him now mm -hmm. so that was just another thought that i thought would happen but this time i was much more scared because i had seen bad things happen to good christian people mm -hmm. so no longer did i believe that nothing bad could happen anymore we had walked through a situation in in my own family where we had learned something devastating and it was really just i kept grappling like how does god let these things happen um, but i still kept trusting him but it was funny or not really funny ironic um that just a couple months before this happened to tommy i was talking to somebody and i said i used to think that bad things you know wouldn't happen to me but now i know they would so if i were to walk through another thing like we dealt with Tommy in 2009, I wouldn't be as good this time. I would not be able to handle it. <laughs> and mm. I actually said that out loud. Mm. And then it happened. And But I found myself still remaining joyful and still trusting God, even though I knew it wasn't as um, straightforward as I thought it was 10 years before. Mm. So, uh, I mean your ministry is worship is life. And truly it is my life. That is one mm -hmm. of the main things mm -hmm. that got me through. I would drive to the city, as I said, so many times, and I would just have on Pandora worship music and that, and I'd be singing these songs, driving back and forth to the hospital. I will trust in you. You wow. are good. Yeah. You know, your work, when I don't see it, you're working. I was just constantly singing those songs. Mm -hmm. And it helped me get through, and I would sing them to Tommy in the hospital. And there were times when, uh, especially towards the end, that he was in, like, a coma kind of thing where he couldn't talk to us. And I would just sing these songs at his bedside, mm -hmm. and we would just have music playing. And there's there's a video, I think, after... Oh, yeah, in October, after it was one bad thing after another, he was doing better and then suddenly developed necrotizing fasciitis, which is like a really bad, like, flesh-eating uh, bacteria mm. that you could just die from. So he had to, they weren't sure, and all the doctors were scared, and they brought him to the ICU and didn't know if he'd survive the night, and we had to okay the surgery that could kill him. 
Mm. But if he didn't have it and it is what they thought it was, that would kill him. Mm. So we had to make, me and his family had to make this big decision. And we said, do the surgery. And then people were praying everywhere. And people came out to Manhattan to just sit in the waiting room and pray with us. And he made it through that. Mm. And he was good. Mm. And so when he came out of that, I have a video of him so weak. And he was singing along to... um, crucified with Christ and yet I live and he was just Mm. singing so weak and I got to video it Mm. and I just watched it the other day just Mm. remembering how like in his weakest state he was worshiping Mm. God Mm. and he was saved again from that Mm. we saw him a miraculous recovery in 2009 and then in October, he was saved again. Hmm. So that was another thing that I kept in my mind, like, well, there's no way he's <laughs> he's going to die now because God saved him again. What would be the point mm-hmm. of saving him now for him to die later? Mm-hmm. So I just couldn't fathom it. But looking back afterwards, I kind of feel... And his family and I talked about it. Like, we feel like it was just another blessing and and mercy from God because that would have been so quick just he was good and then bad and if he had died out of nowhere obviously people have that happen all the time but for us in his mercy he didn't make us have to go through that and it was right before the holidays and we got to spend one last birthday with him mm-hmm. one last thanksgiving mm-hmm. one last christmas mm-hmm. one last new year mm-hmm. And we got to have so many more talks and people now that didn't know how serious his situation was were able to realize I never told him how much I love him, blah, 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 and started actually Mm. letting him see Mm. how much they loved him. Mm. And he got to see all the Facebook posts of people praying for him. And I showed him when he came, came to a couple days later after that surgery and he just sat there with eyes wide open like, wow wow, all these people were praying, they all care about me. And it was just a beautiful thing that, you know, when people pass, that's when people talk about you and you never get to hear it. So it was a blessing that he Hmm. got to hear it and see it. And he was doing better and was doing great and then got into rehab. He had this, because of the necrotizing fasciitis, that was another reason. Now he was stuck in the hospital And he had a huge hole taken out of his thigh. He Mm. couldn't walk. It Mm. was a horrible, painful wound back change every two days. It Mm. was just a nightmare to see him have to walk through such pain. Um, But he went to rehab, was doing better, and we got to take him home in January. And he, all he wanted to do was go to his buddy's restaurant and um, eat (laughs) this five-course Um, really fancy meal because he'd been in the hospital for 107 days and you know Tommy loves his food Mm -hmm. we were constantly bringing stuff into the hospital so we had this wonderful meal got to see a bunch of friends and the other thing he wanted to do was go to church and we went to church on Sunday I had to wheel him in a wheelchair he got to see people he got to be outside it was January like 12th and it was beautiful spring like weather in mm. New York mm. which was crazy last year and we got to have a really nice Sunday afternoon together went to Starbucks went to Uncle Giuseppe's oh, and, yeah. and you know went home but then suddenly things started going downhill mm. and didn't know why and had to bring him back to the hospital anyway for a checkup on that Wednesday and he was just fading fast and I was crying in a mess, but I remember that day in the hospital because now insurance wasn't working. We didn't have money to pay for anything, and I was just, like, having a panic attack, and I just happened to open my devotional, and it was something like, do not worry. I have this under control. Like, every time I would open my devotional, it was written just for me. Yeah. During that time and after that time, and I would sit and be like, do other people see the same thing in Mm. their devotional? Because God's writing this to me. Mm. And he was back in and then started fading. And within two weeks was just like in a coma and his kidneys were failing. Mm. And 
I mean, I still really don't know exactly what happened. Um, it could have just been the cancers. Who knows at that time? I'm speculating if it could have even been COVID and we didn't know what it was at that time. I really don't know. Mm. But and then his best friend came and talked to me during one of the bad days because I still believed he was going to have a miraculous recovery. And he started talking to me about, you know, him possibly not making it. And I was so mad how I didn't tell him I was mad, but in my head I was mad at him. And I was just like, how can he say this to me? Like, there's no way he's not going to make it. I just will not survive. And I remember telling the Lord, if you take him, I will still love you. Mm -hmm. But you'll be taking away my joy and my reason for living. And this joyful girl that I've been just flitting about, finding the good things in life will be gone. Mm -hmm. She will be dead. And... Thankfully, on the other side, that was not true mm. because I have found joy in in Jesus' presence. And I'm so grateful that he never left me. And those last couple of days were so horrible yeah. and so hard because he couldn't talk to us. And we would just sing to him and pray over him and whisper in his ear and all our friends got to come to the hospital and tell him how much they loved him. If he could hear them, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And they would tell him, you know, don't worry. We're all going to take care of Naomi because I know that would have been weighing on his mind if he were able to think in that state. I know he wouldn't want to leave me because he always took care of me but finally at the end I did whisper to him if you're worried about me I'll be okay I'll figure it out you just go and be with Jesus if that's what he's calling and so that morning January 26th we just watched him take his last breath and his heart stopped And it was horrible, but then all of our friends, right away, our friend was, come to our our house, we'll all just be together. Mm. And my friend Jackie was there with me and Mm -hmm. helped me just gather all my stuff and just move, and my family was there, and we all just went to my friend's house, and then just piles of friends were just coming in just to be together and hug and cry, and my friendships and my family have just been what's kept me going as real hands of God through this whole time. Yeah. Yeah, we hear that over and over through your story. Um, And, um, you know, that's just such a powerful illustration and demonstration of what we're wanting to encourage people with through this podcast and just looking at worship through the lens of relationship because um, mm-hmm. that's really how God describes worship is relationship with him, which helps us in relationship with others. And that never becomes more real than when someone is walking through something like you have walked through. Um, so what was that last 18 to 24 hours like for you when you were starting to come uh, to grips with um, he may be breathing his last tomorrow what was that what what was that not just what was it like for you but again just share with our listeners um, just how God and was and others were sustaining you even during the lead-up of those last several hours our pastors had come to pray over him and they prayed and we were singing worship songs and I was just so hopeful but then the next day it was just nothing was doing better and the doctors and palliative care kept coming to be like you know 
um, it, you know, it doesn't really look good. And, and uh, I had to figure out if I was going to sign the do not resuscitate mm -hmm. thing. Mm. Um, and they assured me that it was, they would do everything they could to save him. But if his heart finally stops, that's really just going to be it. Like the bringing back him back is, is not going to bring him back, you yeah. know? So we finally said, yes, you know, we'll sign that. I know he wouldn't want to just keep living here on these wires. So we just, it was a horrible, horrible day. If I had ever known that I would have to walk through that, I would have definitely had a panic attack and not been able to believe that that could happen, that I could survive it. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I told God he would take away my joy like I wouldn't even survive. So we all, a couple, yeah, his family and my family, we were all there at the hospital, some friends, and I was so grateful that I wasn't just alone. And we were all just coming in and out of his room and just praying and and waiting. And then the night before, we knew he might not make it through the night. Um, and my mom and his sister had decided to stay with him there at the hospital and they wanted me to get some sleep. So I went with my friend back to the condo to try to sleep. I'm sure I barely did. I was so sick to my stomach, just crying out to God to make some kind of miracle happen. And when I woke up that morning, you know, we heard he was still still alive, so I wanted to get to the hospital, obviously, and see him. And I would just remember this debilitating sickness just in my soul and in my stomach. I was so nauseous. I was mm. so weak. I couldn't even sit up in bed. And I knew I, I wanted to shower and just get over there. And I was telling my friend Jackie, who was staying with me, I'm like, I can't even sit up. Like, I'm just so sick and so scared. So I probably put on worship music because that's the only thing that could, like, make me feel peaceful. Mm -hmm. I was able to just get up very slowly and get out. We made it back to the hospital. And then we were all around and still just praying. But at this point, I was like, I, I don't think he is going to make it anymore. And I'm finally coming to grips with it and finally being like, OK, I'll let him go. If that's what's supposed to happen, if he's not going to get better, I know he doesn't want to keep living like like this. So then the doctors came to get us from the waiting room and they said, it's really it's probably any minute now. So we had walked in there and sat with him and held his hand. Mm. And it was hard to kiss his cheek because he had so much equipment mm -hmm. on. But I was able to get over there and whisper to him what I had said. And when he was gone, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, I just cried and cried. And I said, I w told my family, I just wish I were dead. Mm. I don't want to live without him. I wish it had been me and not him because he would be able to survive and I can't. Mm -hmm. And they kept telling me, like, no, you can do this and we're all going to be there for you. Yep. So thankfully, after that, like I said, it was just come to the friend's house and we're all just going to be together. And that my friend Jackie drove me out of the city back to her house. And it was just mm. weird, <laughs> to say the least, sitting there knowing that I was leaving him mm. for the last time. But in the aftermath... Just God was so real, and I always believed in him, and I always loved him and, and had a relationship with Jesus. But after this, it was just even more so because he was my lifeline. Yeah. I It was all I could do to survive each day, just clinging to him and yeah. his word. And what was so <laughs> sweet 
of Jesus was that he knows how important music is to me. Mm -hmm. And every morning when it was hardest, I would start getting nauseous every time I would open my eyes, realizing that this was my reality. Mm. So sick every morning, hard to get out of bed. As soon as I would wake up, he would have some kind of worship song playing in my mind, not even a song I had just heard or anything, just mm. and the specific part of a song that I needed to hear wow. to help me get wow. up, like part of a song, like I'm here for you, just cling to me, like things like that of songs that I hadn't even heard in years running through my head. And I don't always have a song running through my head in the in the morning and I knew it was from God and it was mm. every single day wow. it was a new song wow. waking me up so I started keeping a list of them because I just wanted to remember these songs and so that's just something that was so mm -hmm. precious to me a mm -hmm. way that God was showing me that he was here and if anybody ever tried to tell me that there was no God and there's no point in a relationship. Nobody could ever convince me otherwise because I know it's not myself yeah. helping me th through this. Yep. Yeah. yeah. That's just a, that's just an awesome example of, cause you talk about being convinced that there's a God um, and, and it, and we have that conversation and those thoughts because it is so mysterious. The relationship with God mm -hmm. is so mysterious. And yet that is such a beautiful example of how real <laughs> God is and how real relationship with God is in the mystery of it all. That's so awesome. Um, yeah. You know, this, this doesn't mean anything, I'm sure, but I just always found it fascinating um, because Tommy's favorite basketball player on the planet was Kobe Bryant. Yeah. And the day Tommy passed away was the same day Kobe was killed in that horrible accident yeah. with his daughter and all those people. And when that happened, I, I was just like, I'm just like, are you kidding me? That was just. I know. That was, oh, so weird. That was so crazy. That was so And at crazy. the same time, it was like the whole world was mourning because yeah. of Kobe Bryant. Yeah. And I was like, it was just so weird because I was like, well, where, you know, when you're mourning, you feel like the whole world should be mourning. And yeah, they were. They were. You know. Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, um, so Brenda and I came out for the funeral. Mm -hmm. um, and then we were also there for that gathering um, at, would that have been his home church or your home, his home church? right? Then. Mine, your uh, my family's. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah. So just, uh, yeah. Tell us about the, the funeral service. Uh, it was just stunning in so many ways. Um, but mm -hmm. what stands out to you most about the funeral service? Well, it was so beautiful. Um, his family and I had talked and we really just didn't want to have the whole wake thing at a, a funeral home. It was just something we couldn't really deal with. So we rather just have a nice memorial service to remember the fact to, instead of looking, and I don't um, judge anybody who does that, like p people need that closure and to have the body out and that's fine. But for us, we just, didn't even want to see that. We just wanted to remember him as he was and to know where he is now, mm -hmm. that we know he's in heaven and make it like just a worshipful event and leading, uh, pointing people towards God, because that's how Tommy lived his life. He mm -hmm. would share God with anybody that he met if it came up and he, he would always feel like he didn't know what to say and that he wasn't really that smart. He didn't have like a bachelor's degree from college or anything, but he was so smart. Mm -hmm. And he, I felt like he always knew what to say. And he just was so easily able to just share Jesus and yeah. never in a way that made people feel uncomfortable or like, um, like he's beating you over the head with it. It was just a normal conversation, just sharing about, who Jesus is in his own life and, and how God wants everybody else to know him and be the same kind of um, loving presence for them. And so we knew that that's 
what he would want. So we were able to, so I grew up in a church in Middle Island and he, that's where we met through a friend from there. And we would visit a lot during the year. So everybody from that church loved him. And that whole prayer team had been praying and praying and praying for him yeah. the whole time. So they wanted to have a nice service, like a breakfast on Friday where people it could be smaller and just people could share things like their closest friends and family. And that's what you guys were able to be at that too. So that was just a beautiful time. And his, his friends were able to share and we were just all able to be together and all my cousins had come out. And then the memorial service the next day at SGT is such is nice and big. And it, how many people can fit in there? Oh, probably jam-packed, like 11, 1,200, shoulder to shoulder. Yeah, so that's how much you can fit, and I, f I feel like it was packed. It was, for, there was There was a lot of people there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. people were in the Hundreds balcony. and hundreds and hundreds, yep. Yeah, it was just pretty packed, maybe at least 700, 800 people. I yeah, don't know. Yeah, yeah. But everybody came out from everywhere to be there, and I... And then we even did it on Facebook Live, and like thousands of people were watching it there yeah. as well. And people were just reaching out just to talk about all the ways that he had helped them because he was such a giver. And yeah. he was just always helping other people, even if it was out of his way, uh, even if he we never really had money and he was still giving money to help people. <laughs> yep. And um, our friend... Kevin had kind of coined the phrase in a Facebook like tribute to him, he showed up. Mm -hmm. And that became the phrase of the whole thing and the different stories of how Tommy showed up in their lives. And we had a box at the memorial service with that on it. He showed up with cards so people could write how he showed up for them. And I was able to read it the next day with like my family and just mm -hmm. seeing all the different ways that people remembered how he showed up for them. It was like he knew I needed contacts, like one of the girls that that we knew back in the day. He knew I didn't want to wear my glasses to the prom. So he bought me contacts mm. and kept the contacts up for all the years I was there and or someone, he always came to see my softball games or whatever games he was at. Every single game anybody yep. in the world had, yep. he was there. Yep. Um, or he just shared Jesus with me, and that's how I changed my life. Like, so many things like that. Shoveling my, my yard because it was snowing. He he was just always showing up for people. And um, I had asked him once when he was going out, I think, to shovel somebody— and he didn't even have any time. He had to go to work and blah, blah. And I said, why are you bending over backwards to go shovel for them? And why you do these things? And he was like, I'm just doing what I would want people to do for you if I wasn't around. Yeah. Mm. So that was like really his legacy. Yeah. He um, didn't leave me any money. We didn't even have life insurance. But he left a legacy of people and relationships yeah. and help. And so all these people have been reaching out to me, helping me through so many different things, yeah. even people that send me money every month just wow. because they know I'll need the help. Yeah. And it's, it's such a blessing because mm -hmm. that's what I would rather have rather than just have a rich husband who left me all this money no, I, we were rich because of the relationships that we had with people yeah. and because of our love of Christ. And so that whole memorial service was just just a beautiful, beautiful thing. His sister and our niece like led worship, and his uh, parents talked, and his brother talked, and then I even was able to speak and just yeah. share about how much he meant to me and everyone kept saying but the wife never speaks the wife doesn't speak at these things and okay well maybe they don't but i'm going to. <laughs> yeah it was amazing and i knew it would be hard yep. but i just felt so strongly that i had to because so many people loved and knew him but nobody knew him like i did obviously yep. and so i wanted everybody to know with the person 
that he vowed to share his life with, how I saw him. So I wanted, I knew I would regret it if I didn't pay tribute to him there. Mm. Mm. And I was talking to my my pastor from when I was growing up, Linda Lecce, and I was telling her a couple of days beforehand, I'm really nervous. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. I really want to speak, but I'm so scared. I'll just cry through it. And she said, oh, Naomi, you don't have Saturday's grace today. <laughs> and that has always stuck with me mm. because you can't expect at this moment I'm going to have the grace for what I need tomorrow. Mm, mm, so it's mm. just trusting God yeah. for every step. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's so beautiful. Yeah, I have, um, you know, I have a fairly short list of people who I would describe them as you could be a poster child for worship is life. And Tommy mm. is definitely yeah. on that list. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when people who were at multiple gatherings during that week um, would just hear story after story after story, it was just like you'd walk away. It's like, how many Tommies were there? Right. <laughs> how many how many clones of Tommy were there? Exactly. Because he was yeah. just everywhere. It's like, how does any one person have that many hours in one day to touch right. that many people's mm -hmm. lives? Which was evidenced by the fact that his memorial service filled up one of the largest sanctuaries on Long Island. I mean, right. my <laughs> memorial service would not have that many people. <laughs> I can promise you that because he just, he just touched, touched, touched so many people. Um, yep. So Naomi, what could you, what would you say to encourage others who are currently walking through mm. such a deep loss who are just, still in the process of walking through grief and loss, which, which we know takes time, but you're, you're only one year into this. Um, what would you say to folks like that? I would really say cling to Jesus. You can't, you, you can't waste time being angry at him, mm. <laughs> you know, um, because he is good no matter the circumstance. Even though we know he's all-powerful and can do anything, it's it's too confusing to try to explain. And anytime I try to think about it, I just stop and think, when you can't trace his hand, trust his heart. Mm -hmm. And that's in a song that, that I love to sing, and it's just so true. We know his goodness. He came and he died for us, and he could have just done that. But then he stayed with us and gave us the Holy Spirit and is there to comfort us. Mm. So when we don't understand, we just have to rely on the fact that he is good and that he loves us. And clinging to him is the absolutely only way to get through wow. such a grief and such a loss. I I didn't I read the Bible, but I didn't read it so much afterwards every single day. Every morning, that was my routine. I would wake up, go right to the Bible, read a devotional, read something in the Bible, listen to worship music, because that was the only way I could mm. survive mm. each day. Yep. If I didn't have God, I think I would be dead. Mm. I don't know how people go through this kind of loss without God. Yeah. And that's all there is to it. And it's clinging to God and then also having good friends is the only other way I went through. Yep. My family and friends keep coming to make me laugh. We still do fun things or we'll just sit and talk about how much Tommy means to all of us. Mm. And it's just so helpful to keep getting up, keep getting out, even if the biggest thing you did that day was get dressed. That is something to be proud of. Mm -hmm. You can't, when you're going through something like as devastating as this, you can't think, oh, I should be better. I should be doing this and that. Everybody's story is different. Mm -hmm. And so everybody's fight story is different. So even if you're the one crawling just to survive, that is a success. Mm -hmm. 
If yep. you happen to get up and go out, great. But don't make somebody else's story your story. But keep fighting. You just have to keep getting up. And I actually just wrote a song that I'm in the middle of producing right wow. now. And it's called Not Done With This Fight. Mm. And I actually wrote it based off of the Rocky movies because those were Tommy's favorite movies. Mm -hmm. And Sylvester Stallone has this big, beautiful monologue about how it's not how hard you can get, how, not how hard you can hit, but how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. Mm. And I know for me, there were times I just did not want to live anymore. And I still have nights like that where yeah. I'm just like, God, I don't want to live anymore. Mm. And so this song that God gave me is helping me and I hope help others because it's like picturing us in the boxing ring of life and we just keep getting hit. Yep. Keep getting hit and falling down, but can we get back up? And so that's what the whole thing is about. Just striving every single day, every single minute, not trying to project days down the road and weeks and years, but how about this minute? What can I do this minute? Hmm. And relying on God for every single step, which is another song that I wrote, Trust for Every Step, mm -hmm. because I knew when I started thinking about life without Tommy, I would start spiraling. And that's when God told me, well, just trust me for every step. How about this next step? That's all you have to worry about. Mm. And so things like that have been very helpful to me. And that's what I would tell people to, to focus on one step at a time mm -hmm. and just asking God for the strength every single second. Yeah. Wow. It's so beautiful, Naomi. So beautiful. I'm man. I have been crying and listening and <laughs> um, moved and inspired. And we just love how amazing. I mean, we, could talk for days on end about how amazing Tommy as a human mm -hmm. and his spirit yeah. is. And I just want to encourage you. You're just so awesome. I'm like, man, <laughs> Naomi is so amazing. And we see that in so many incredible ways. And, um, we've actually reached that point in our podcast where we bring on our honorary member. And it's fun <laughs> because you are one of the only few people that probably has actually ever met <clears throat> this other member. So I try yeah. to preface it and everything, but, um, you already know who this unique friend of ours is. So, Billy Bob, you are on with Naomi Piero. Naomi, is that you? It is. Hi, Billy Bob. Oh, Naomi, it's so good to hear your voice. I haven't seen you for so long. I know. I can just see you in my mind's eye <laughs> with those teeth. <laughs> oh, I have They're special right. teeth. Oh, Naomi, so great to hear you. I've been listening in on your story and this you know this is the first time i've had a chance to talk to you since our dear friend tommy passed away and i just want to you know tell you that i'm so sorry and i love you so much and so uh, just amazed so amazed at how you've shared your story and how god is sustaining you and has made you so strong and we just love you so much, and oh, so good to hear your <laughs> sweet, sweet voice. And I can picture you in my mind's eye, too. Yes, <laughs> I can. Yes, I can. Well, let me just say that I know a thing or two about a thing or two. And, um, for example, through all this, I know that you have written a book. I mean, come on. How does someone who's gone through what you've gone through already have a book out there? And it's called it's called Bad World, Good God. Wow, yep. what a title. Bad World, Good God. And, and so much I love about this book, but I really love that you included in the book the whole part of what you said at, at Tommy's service. And I mm -hmm. uh, just loved being able to read that. And a couple things just jumped, <laughs> just jumped off the page at me that I just got to share here because one of them just cracked me up so much. You were, you were talking about 
you know, how much Tommy just helped you with everything and how much you relied on him. And, and you were saying, you were talking about, you know, stuff you'd have to do on your own now. And, 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 mm -hmm. and then it, it says, it says, this is you talking, it says, anytime I had to drive somewhere alone or, uh, or take a plane or train by myself. Now that can be scary. I've had to do that. That can be scary. Yes. And, and, and I got nervous where to go. I would stop and think that this is what Tommy would say. <laughs> you don't need to stand there and cry. Just read the signs and you'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> that is so Tommy. That is so Exactly. <laughs> oh, that was so great. And then what's interesting is the next thing that jumped out of me is right in the next paragraph. And 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 this is so beautiful. You say, you say, you say, um, you say he would always encourage me to be bold in sharing the love of Jesus with people. He had a, a way about him where almost any conversation he had with anyone was pointing them in the direction of who God is. Wow. Mm -hmm. Man, if we could all have that said about us. Yeah. So beautiful. Now, if that wasn't enough, Naomi, I mean, come on. If that wasn't enough that you wrote a book, you put out a CD. And not <laughs> only have you put out a CD, but the songs on the CD, like, correspond with the chapters in the book. I mean, are you kidding me? Tell, tell us, tell, tell us a, a little bit about now. Now, the CD is called My Weapon is a Melody. And uh, yeah, just tell us a little, tell, tell the listeners, Naomi, a little bit about this project. Well, I had felt God telling me while Tommy was still alive that because how the worship music has helped me so much that I should make a CD when this is all over of songs that helped me. And I thought it would be a CD of just triumph and miracles of Tommy being with me when he passed away. I felt like God was telling me, no, you're still going to make that. It's just different than you thought. Mm -hmm. It's going to be the songs that helped you get through this. Yes, yes. So uh, the so some of the songs that were running through my mind in the mornings were on the list. Wow. And songs that really helped me get through that drive and songs that I sang to Tommy at his hospital bed were all songs that I picked. Plus two of them on that CD are ones that I wrote. Trust for Every Step was that just two weeks after he passed, I was getting out of the shower and God just started giving me the melody and the chorus when I was worried about life and the future. Trust me for every step. And so I started writing that and then I wrote a song for Tommy because I was thinking about how sad I was that we're not even under the same sky anymore. and. God just showed me, even though you're not in the same sky, I've got you both in my arms, mm -hmm. and I am the connection. Yeah. So those two original songs are on there. Mm -hmm. that, I, just gotta, I just got to say, both in his arms, that's my favorite song. Aww. That's on my favorite song on the CD, no Thank doubt. Thank you, Billy Bob. Oh, man, it's so beautiful. Such a powerful picture. Such a powerful yeah. picture. Oh, man. Well, oh, tell, the, tell the listeners... Uh, how they can get their hands on this book and, and this music. Well, everything is on my link tree. So the book is on Amazon. The music is on iTunes, can be streamed on Spotify, Amazon Music, everywhere there. So that um, that link tree website is that linktr.ee slash NPRO. And every single link is there to get it now the book comes separately and the cd comes separately because i had no way to put that together um but i would encourage anyone to get them both download the music because every song i wrote about in the book every chapter what i thought god was sharing with me about that song so it's so important that they go together and i'm so excited that you read the book billy bob uh -huh. who read it and uh, it's short, you know, as you know, so it can be read as a devotional one chapter a day. It's not. I that... need them short. I yeah. need a book to be short. <laughs> it's not too taxing. No, um, no, no. But it's yeah, all beautiful. that's there. And then I'm making 
music videos and new music all the time every time god shares something new with me so that link tree page is the one site where everything will be yeah we'll make sure that taylor gives out that information again and we'll get those links posted you know, it's been so awesome being able to hear your voice and, and talk with you we love you yes i love you guys too all three of you well yeah we we take a little a little coffee break because if we stick around while billy bob is here we just get frustrated sometimes so anyways thank you for putting up with him we know that you love him and he was really thrilled about making that happen and it's just been a joy and an honor too thank mm -hmm. you for sharing your yes. story and being vulnerable and i just want to encourage you too like i've just been praying about things in my own life and the way that i see people and the way that i do life and asking him to help me in certain ways. And I just even felt some depth and growth and um, movement happening in my heart. Just listening to you share your story as Amen. difficult or, you know, frequent or not frequent. You do that. It's just incredibly powerful. So we love you so much and we're excited to hopefully see you soon. We're not exactly sure what that looks like this year, but would love to hang out again soon. Yeah, for sure. Thanks so much for having me on. I really, really enjoyed it. I love you guys. Thank you, Naomi. We love you, too. Talk to you soon. Goodbye. Hey, bye. Bye. To buy Naomi's book and to find her music, head to her link tree, linktr.ee slash npiero. And to find out more about Worship is Life and to grab resources, head to worshipislife.org. My name is Naomi Piero, and you're listening to the Worship is Life podcast.